0: Well, with me now, the Brexit expert, Dr Kitty Hayward from Queen's University and the business broadcaster, Jamie Draghi, very good evening to both of you. Uh, that was a pretty blunt message from Mr Barnier today.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's very clear that there are consequences to Brexit and those consequences will be felt now um, on the movement of goods between Northern Ireland and Great Britain. Um, and what was striking in his comments um, is very much that it's, it's directly contradicting what the Prime Minister has been saying. So the Prime Minister is saying emphatically unfettered access both ways, and it's quite clear from Barnier, and we know this, it's been repeated often from the EU, um, there'll be no such thing. Were you surprised at what he
0: said though, uh, given that we, okay, we've had a bit of a Brexit lull as we head towards the 31st of January, but now the real heavy lifting begins in terms of trying to uh, secure a trade deal, I mean, so, so was it surprising that Barnier is very clearly setting out his stance?
1: No, I mean, they need to do it now and we should bear that in mind. I mean, the EU has said, um, and Barnier is saying it now, they were flexible for Northern Ireland um, in avoiding the hard border, protecting the Good Friday Belfast Agreement, etc. And that flexibility ends now. Mm. Um, And we will see this now on the movement of goods between Great Britain and Northern Ireland um, and what what he was really saying is that there will be consequences for this uh, in relation to this particular deal and this will be felt in Northern Ireland so the question now is will we have a soft Brexit because of course the, the fundamentals are um, that uh, the softer the Brexit the less we will feel those checks and controls and movement of goods across the Irish Sea the harder the Brexit um, then it really will be a hard Irish Sea border
0: but of course uh, and Boris, Johnson, Boris Johnson may have that majority at West Minister, Jimmy, but when it comes down to it affecting people's lives day to day, that is, he's really going to feel the pressure from constituents right across the UK, isn't he?
2: Well, and, and from here, I mean, the business community is getting a bit more nervous, not so much about sending goods uh, from Northern Ireland uh, to Great Britain, that there, there there will be, of course, forms to be filled, but they can cope with that. But the nervousness uh, that's arising is because of the cheques coming the other way. And what might happen is that while suppliers might be able to, yeah, and might, it might be feasible for them to quote um, f- uh, for products that they might send to Northern Ireland. They might say, look, the game's not worth the candle. We haven't got a department that's geared up for this. We'll not quote. And that reduces the competition so that people in Northern Ireland who might be wishing to import those goods from maybe incorporation and manufacture would find that they don't have the same number of people willing to supply them and they may pay higher costs a- as a result. But then, of course, they can always source from uh, down south and from the rest of the EU the tough talking has continued right throughout the day. I mean, Michel
0: Barnier uh, and indeed Leo Varadkar talking earlier in Dublin about uh, having a stronger team in the negotiations and the idea that the whole cliff-edge Brexit is not something that is off the table uh, just yet. Is there any wiggle room as they move into these trade trade negotiations?
1: Um, So the EU is bound by its rules. That's what it is. It's a a, A rulemaking body and that's what keeps it together as such a diverse um, organization so of course it's going to be absolutely clear on those red lines going in and as i say it was flexible and it's red lines for northern ireland Mm. but that's where the flexibility ends so it's all about the implementation and the difficulty for us here is that we're trying to keep an eye on two different processes now so one is implementing the protocol, which, remember, isn't just about trade, it's also about North-South cooperation, it's about citizens' rights, etc. Um, and then we've also got to keep an eye on the UK-EU future trade deal, um, because, as I say, that will be uh, what we feel then in the movement of goods from Great Britain into Northern Ireland.
0: Certainly the suggestion at the moment, Jimmy, would be that The EU are more concerned about protecting the Good Friday Agreement and indeed the relations between North and South of Ireland. That is more their key focus at the moment than securing a trade deal with the UK.
2: Well, as regards to that trade deal, they really want what they're calling this level playing field. And if uh, there is an indication already that the UK is willing to depart from that mm. level playing field, well, then that's going to impinge on the possibility of there being no quotas, no tariffs in GBEU trade. And I think there's generally, again, a concern at this. Um, now, Sajid Javid uh, has said that you know, he's not going to diverge Just for the sake of doing it, Uh, but uh, this notion that that you know they don't want to be—what's the point in leaving the EU if you're going to be a rule taker? Um, That's again raising a a degree of concern that the that the UK may strike out in a different path, and then that creates a greater barrier. I don't know how you describe a border in the Irish Sea, but it is to go deeper or to go higher. I don't know. But but the more that the the EU that the UK diverges from uh, the rules uh, that are set by Brussels, then the greater the problems that, that that we might face.
0: Well, listen, we'll come on to the border in just a moment. But of course, uh, earlier today, uh, Monsieur Barnier held talks with the Deputy First Minister Michelle O'Neill and of course, the Economy Minister uh, Diane Dodds. That was at Stormont Castle. Michelle O'Neill admitted that Michelle Barnier wasn't able to make any firm commitments about the impact of Brexit on the business community here.
1: We were very um, clear in saying to him that we needed to protect our local businesses, that we didn't want to see a scenario where there would be increased costs, for example, put onto businesses, or trade becomes uh, slower patterns, which will obviously put our local businesses at a disadvantage. So we had a conversation around how we can prevent that. Um, Clearly, he's very... uh, confident or very clear in his stance that the protocol must be implemented in its entirety. Um, he's also very clear that this is a, an issue for us to deal with the British government, but he has a, an obligation to protect the single market, and I think that's going to be the challenge.
0: So Michel Barnier obviously very clearly in listening mode. Uh, he will be presenting some sort of a, a framework document to the other EU member states in the coming weeks, which will decide how the process goes from here. How much attention will be he, Will he be
2: paying, Jimmy, do you think, to the likes of the comments from Michelle O'Neill? I think I think one of the things that um, um, he should be uh, paying attention to, and I suppose this is it, is is the possibilities. I mean, we're talking now, in a sense, and negatively about the risks and the downside and the threats. But I mean, one of the things that we shouldn't lose sight of that this gives Northern Ireland a special status. And there are opportunities for us that, that may attract uh, companies to come from Great Britain to set up uh, here to have that free unfettered access to the EU. And so, you know, we, we can overstress the the downside. There is, there is a, a potential. And I would like to see more effort, uh, I suppose, devoted to seeing how we can benefit from the special position we're in. That's notwithstanding the difficulties that Katie has just identified.
0: Do you agree with that, Katie, that there are, I suppose, there is a flip side to everything?
1: Um, yes, certainly, and some of the language that has been said about this protocol is that it offers Northern Ireland the best of both worlds. But that, that is very, very far in the distance, and it's almost inconceivable to see that in the context of a hard Brexit. I mean, just seeing Michelle O'Neill there um, reminds me of something that Barnier said during his talk which is very significant and I think it was um, pointing to the fact that he was meeting both Um, Michelle O'Neill and Diane Dodds, the two largest parties together in the same room talking about Northern Ireland's interests and he said how significant that was um, given that during the Brexit negotiations obviously Stormont wasn't there and he was meeting the parties separately. Um, So this is a unique moment um, and I think it's really um, incumbent upon all the elected representatives from all the parties to continue to work together. Um, to continue to um, echo the concerns of the business community um, because um, that gives us the best possible chance for identifying Northern Ireland's needs at this particular time, both to Brussels and to London.
0: As we head towards the 31st of January, Friday night at 11pm when the UK leaves the the European Union, uh, there will be much celebration in Boris Johnson's quarters, but what do you think he will make if you heard that clip clip tonight of Michel Barnier?
2: (sighs) I'm, I'm not I'm sure, I think it'll be lost, drowned out by let's say Big you Den, the pop will go to the fish, Freedom Day, I don't really think that, um, I mean I think that Boris Johnson be, has bigger fish to fry and, and, and you know this will be a moment of, of celebration uh, right across sort of among the Brexit uh, class, I, I, that, that's, what, that's my thought on that.
1: I mean, it's very clear that um, when he's talking about Northern Ireland, it's really about the UK-EU relationship. Um, and that's the point that Barnier is making, actually, um, that now what happens to Northern Ireland, as has been the case all the way through, is really where um, the rubber hits the road in terms of the consequences of Brexit. Um, and that's the point that Michel Barnier is making, mm. um, that a hard Brexit means you know, cheques are indispensable and there will not be frictionless trade.
0: Jimmy, while we have you with us, uh, I know you were up at Stormage earlier. Of course, uh, it was time for a monitor round, the first in several years. Uh, where is the money
2: going? Can you give us an update? Well, there's been a bit of a, um, a, a, an upside from Brexit because it has uh, the certainty created by that has uh, released funds which ha- are now being used. Grand total of? Uh, a grand total of in to- bringing together the money that's been released because uh, we have this certainty over Brexit and it's now not needed to be devoted to that issue, along with other money that uh, departments haven't been able to use. Uh, that comes to about something like £36 million to be uh, in day-to-day spending. The bulk of that money, the vast bulk of it, going to the Department for Education, uh, who will be using it uh, for um, uh, to to cover teachers' pay and also to help uh, increase the number of assessments for children with special needs.
0: So 36 million pounds that has uh, that has been left over to, because there's no uncertainty about Brexit, but yet the, cert- the uncertainty continues uh, on Friday once we leave the EU.
1: Indeed, it does. Yes, there's so much to be negotiated in 11 months. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, all eyes are pointing towards, of course, the uh, trade uh, a deal or do you think, briefly, do you think a, a trade deal is possible?
1: Uh, I, I,
2: it will be a very basic trade deal and if they start diverging from, if they start uh, you know, moving away from EU rules, I think that it's, it's going to be really difficult.
0: You have five seconds.
1: <laughs> we need to start training customs officers, that's for sure.
0: Katie, Jamie, thank you both very much indeed. Well,